There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show. It's great to be back with you for another week and to have another fantastic guest. We've got Sean Casemore on the show uh, and it's great to have Sean on the show. I think uh, it's been eight years now, I believe, since his last uh, his last uh, visit. So um, can't believe it was eight years ago. He's still looking very youthful. Um, so we're going to have him uh, um, talking about the unstoppable sales machine and his latest his latest book and lots of tips and ideas for you to get really effective with your, your sales performance. And uh, I want to say a, a big thanks to my guest last week. I interviewed Mark Levy, but actually it didn't quite work out that way because Mark, Mark insisted that he interviewed me um, and we came to some kind of a compromise. Uh, we, uh, Mark's a fascinating man. If you don't know Mark, Mark is a, a propositioning, a strategy expert. He's worked with some amazing, amazing um, people. Simon Sinek is one of the, the people he helped him uh, develop his first kind of concepts. Um, but he also, one of the things I love about him is he's a magician and he created, uh, co-created the number one show in New York, the, the highest rated show on TripAdvisor. It's called, um, uh, I was thinking now, it's called uh, Chamber Magic, uh, and it's more highly rated than Hamilton. Uh, so uh, it was. I was looking forward to talking to Mark about all of this, and he said, no, we need to talk about your learnings and lessons from all your kind of health challenges, because uh, um, I'm, you know, we need to talk about how on earth you've kept so calm. But we, we explored that, and we, we, we bounced ideas around together. And if you're feeling at the moment that... Uh, you know, the world's quite a challenging place. You've got some challenges that you're dealing with. I hope that you gain some inspiration from listening to that, some thoughts and ideas from Mark, from myself, on um, how you can keep yourself calm, be the calm in the storm, how you can um, move forward when when situations are maybe challenging you. So, um, yeah, so let's, um, let's introduce uh, Sean uh, and introduce this show today. Um, I don't know where you're listening to, um, where you are in the world, but but do um you know do drop me your email things like that. Do connect with me on LinkedIn. I love to, I love to connect with you all and find out what you're doing. Um, but the one thing I think that is really common, doesn't matter what country you come from, uh, and we have I believe about fifty countries access this show each month. Sales is a common, you know, it's a common behavior. It, it's consistent. Doesn't matter where in the world you come from, and it doesn't even matter if you're a salesperson because actually in life. We need to be able to sometimes, you know, very authentically sell ourselves to others, whether it's a job pitch, whether it's, uh, you know, whether we are um, working on the switchboard in a company, we could be, or with a CEO, um, we don't need the title sales in our job to, um, to be involved with sales. And if you're a business owner, if you're a, a leader in a company, you might be a sales executive, whatever your role you know, you likely to have a desire to want to create a rapid and sustained increase in sales for your company. Uh, and the thing is that what we don't want to do is we don't have to want to spend huge amounts of money doing this. If we can do it effectively and cost effectively too, we're going to generate a higher return on investment, uh, a better return on our time. 
Um, so I decided that it would be great to have Sean Casemore on the show. Um, I interviewed Sean first, say, in 2014, and I was quite astonished by Sean. And I think the thing that sticks in my mind all these years was that Sean had uh, left his previous work and he set up a company and he was helping operational people in the manufacturing environments at that time. And what surprised me was how quickly Sean had grown his business. And it was quite miraculous. And I always remembering asking him the question and the, the question to him was, how did you do this? And he said to me, Chris, said, I wrote a list of all the people that I know. And I think he said he had something like, I may be wrong, but he, he's something like 236 people on his list. 238. 238. I was two out after eight years. <laughs> I think that was pretty remarkable. I remembered that. And, and he said, what I did is I got on the phone and I rang every single one of them, including my mum and dad who were on the list. And uh, that's how I built my business so quickly. And, and I thought, well, this guy really knows what he's talking about. And interestingly, he's working with operations because he's quite an impressive sales guy. But his career has changed a little bit. He's, he's um, pivoted since then. Uh, he's the author of The Unstoppable Org Organization. And his latest book, The Unstoppable Sales Machine, is set to release in August 2002. And um, he helps... Um, uh, people all over the um, Canada, the United States, and, and I'm sure online around the world. Um, he helps them to um, develop their techniques and uh, grow their businesses and achieve spectacular results uh, through their sales. So a big welcome today. Great to have you back, Sean. How are you? Chris, I'm great and appreciate uh, the chance to come back. Um, as you mentioned, the, 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 my latest book will be out August of this year, fingers crossed. Believe it or not, there's, there's supply chain challenges in delivering books. I, I guess a lot of the printers have had issues, so uh, it was supposed to be out in the spring. But nonetheless, it's just great to be back here and look forward to the conversation and talking about uh, you know, some of the things we were chatting about earlier, uh, specific to what's, what's been happening in the world and, and uh, why the heck would a guy like me who focused on operational stuff in my first book uh, move into the area of sales? So looking forward to it. Well, that's that's great. Well, I think uh, supply chain challenges are happening all over the place. One of my my first book, Power to Get Things Done, that uh, I wrote with Stephen Levinson. I always remember it was about July time, and the publisher contacted me and they said, uh, you know, Chris, um, just to let you know, your book's now going to be going to be launched in December. Uh, and I didn't read, I didn't um, listen um, particularly carefully. I thought that's absolutely great. And they said, well, you know, it's really good of you to be so understanding. And I thought, that's a bit strange, because the book was going to come out in January. And then um, then I discovered in, a, in another conversation, they meant December next year. <laughs> uh, so it's still happening, clearly. It is. It is. And, you know, the, the funny thing on the, on the book side of it, right, it's a, a book is like anything else. You, you write the book. That's just the beginning. I mean, the, the harder part is getting it in the hands of people you think it can help. Um, so it, you've got to know the date to be able to start to tell the world about it. And when the date keeps moving, it, it's, you know, people are asking me today, so when's that book coming? It's supposed to be out in June. I'm like, oh, it's coming. It's coming. Just, just wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do hope it's, uh, it's, it's August this year. <laughs> yeah, so do I, so do I. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, so, you, so you live in, you live in Canada. Uh, yeah, just in Ontario, uh, in two Ontario. hours north of Toronto. Right, um, yeah. so you were telling me you, you, uh, you love things like camping at the weekends and yeah we do uh, as a years ago when i started my business probably around the time we were speaking um you know i was traveling a lot um obviously that's changed a bit i'm still traveling today but covid has had some impacts and, and more willingness to adopt digital um 
but nonetheless traveling five days a week. So when I come home on weekends, I would just sit and work. I mean, there's stuff to catch up on. So uh, friends of ours had, a, had bought a camper and then young children as we did at the time. And, uh, you know, they said, hey, you should should try camping. So we decided to buy a camper and I've loved it ever since. It's I find it's just a great way to disconnect and decompress. And this will sound silly, but, you know, I love baseball. I mean, I've coached my son's baseball teams uh, in the past and you know, my, my oldest, both my boys now want to play catch. So if we're home, if we're at home here and, uh, you know, they, they say, let's go play catch. Well, there's other things I should be doing. Right. I should go make that phone call, follow up on something, cut the lawn, fix the light, whatever the case might be. But when you're camping, they say, go play catch, kind of look around and say, well, yeah, I've got the time. So it's uh, it's just a great way. I, and if, if anybody hasn't tried it because they don't, they don't appreciate being in nature or being you know, laying on the ground. I have never tented and since I was a kid. This, these are campers, very comfortable, uh, easy to pull behind a, a vehicle and uh, take your family anywhere. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, that's where I've gone wrong, I think. I think any times I've I've done it is with the family is uh, with tents and uh, my children are a bit older now, but particularly when they were young and they, no help whatsoever and they're 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 running off around the campsite and you're wondering where they've gone while you put yeah. a tent up in a on a windy day or yeah or it's it, raining it's, yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> exactly it's a, a trailer is a much different experience for sure yeah it sounds 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 good sounds really good and, and I, I'm kind of intrigued you know, it's been eight, eight years since we last spoke I mean what what are the kind of moments for you over the last eight years that have really, you know, stood out for you, your family, you know, what, um, you know, what's, what's been happening and what's, uh, what have you learned? Yeah. Well, I think from, um, you know, like, like all of us from, from a personal standpoint, I mean, it, it comes with no surprise. COVID has had a big impact on the world. I mean, I think the biggest concern I have now is what will the world look like post COVID meaning, are we going to be oversensitized to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing? Yeah. Um, because I think what we've all learned and, and pretty much everybody would agree is, you know, face-to-face -face human contact is, is important. You, you, we can do things virtually um, and that's sufficient, but it's not as valuable, you know, and especially in a sales arena, right? It, it, people that I know in sales, it, there's, there's kind of, there's two camps. There's the people that like the virtual and they want to keep doing that and they don't want to go out on the road. And there's the people that can't wait to get out on the road uh, and don't want to do the virtual anymore. And what I'm telling everybody is you've got to, you've got to be able to navigate both because it depends on what your buyer's preference is, right? Because some companies have policies in place that you can't go visit them. So, you know, we've learned a lot from COVID. We've learned the value of personal connection. Um, and, and I think for me that, that that's obviously affected both personally and, and professionally. Professionally, I've given you examples there of, of uh, you know, what, what has been happening with some clients and, and different folks that I work with. But on a personal level, I think it's, um, I've realized the importance of downtime and time with family. Um, as, I, as I mentioned, um, you know, the, the changes that have happened over the number of years is now I value time at home, time with family more than I have in the past. Used to be when I started my business, I was running everywhere. You pick up the phone, call me, I'll be there Tuesday, right? Um, that's changed a bit. Luckily, again, I think the adoption of virtual and people's you know greater willingness to use virtual allows you to reach more people without having to travel. But um, it's funny, as, as much as the travel side seems sexy to those, oh, wow, where were you this week? Or where were you last week? When you're on a plane, you know, I remember days of sleeping in the air saying, what state am I over right now? And having no idea, but so exhausted, I need to fall asleep. Those days are behind me and recognizing that, you know, time with your family and downtime is important to all of us. And I think, again, COVID forced that on many of us. 
and uh, you know, realize the value. And I think, I think that's affected everybody in a very similar fashion. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't think, I think um, I haven't flown since the end of, end of December, 2019. Mm. Uh, and uh, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not that, I'm not that desperate to, to do it. You know, certainly it has to be a really good reason for it from a, a green kind of perspective, really. Um, so that's, you know, that's been quite a, a shift in me, that realization. And, uh, and I think probably, in greater appreciation of home you're right and family and and connection um and i think also is is been really interesting i think has been actually you know clients realizing that we can do a lot from yeah. from the likes of zoom and remotely and we don't have to be as a, a consultant in the in the office all the time um which i think is creates uh, for us a better life balance too well, I had, it was interesting. I did some, I mean, I've done a, a lot of work, but there was a one company we just wrapped up actually yesterday. And I had some kind of uh, pre last session, if you want calls with folks to see, you know, how has this gone for you? What have you learned? What have you taken away? How are you using it? Um, and uh, ultimately, you know, the one gentleman said to me, you know, Sean, I, doing this virtually, you know, at a, in an hour and a half or an hour. And what we did with this team was some sales training, ultimately, because we had a variety of people with different skill levels, but we were really focused on advanced strategies for today's environment. And uh, he said, you know, I really enjoyed this virtually. And I said, well, why is that? He said, because it's, it's forcing me to take bite-sized chunks. Like rather than get together for a day mm -hmm. and it's like a fire hose and I walk away remembering what you're taking an hour or an hour and a bit, it's still a fire hose but it allows me to hone in on one or two things and apply them. And then we get back together. I always have people share. So what have you, what have you done since we last spoke, right? What are the results of that? And, uh, you know, I, I thought, I think that is um, a good takeaway from the virtual side of training and coaching, right? It, it allows you, instead of a one day face-to-face, -face, you can give people bite-sized chunks that they can actually consume and apply, which is the goal. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so how has, how has, COVID and the, the pandemic, how has that impacted and changed uh, selling, you know, the business of sales? I'm just going yeah. to your business to business is your, yeah. your domain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, well, I mean, as we alluded to earlier, I think it has uh, accelerated the adoption of technology from a buyer standpoint. People you're trying to sell to are, are more willing to connect on Zoom. If you can't connect face to face, and you say, look, can we try Zoom? You know, most people are going to say yes. So, so it's definitely opened up the opportunity to collect, connect with more people uh, in a broader array and, and, you know, across the world and not have to jump on a plane, not have to be traveling constantly. Um, and it's become a good supplement as well, meaning you and I might meet once face-to-face -face and start that relationship off. Once that relationship, that seed is planted, we can use virtual to keep building and again, not have to keep taking time out of your day. So I think it's allowed sales professionals greater opportunities to connect with more people, build more relationships and supplement those relationships. Um, and I think buyers are just more receptive um, because at the end of the day, right, they, they've been forced to use the technology. Now they're comfortable with it and they see the value. I don't have to prep for Sean to come into my office and clean up my desk and he's not going to hang around for an hour, right? We can do a 20 minute Zoom call and shut it down. Uh, so I think it's been a win-win on both sides. Uh, and, but again, from a sales perspective, I tell folks, to, but don't just rely on technology. You've got to be willing to use multiple different tools and methods, depending on what your buyer's preferences. If you're trying to sell to somebody who's in their 70s, they probably want to meet with you face to face. If you're trying to sell somebody in their twenties, you better be on the social channels they're on and engage that way. Uh, so we've really got to be nimble 
and how we apply these different methods. Um, but, you know, I think everybody has become experts in using Zoom and Teams and all these different tools because we were forced to. And it's really, it's really accelerated the adoption of technology from a sales perspective. Yeah. And, and I guess the sort of, you know, the, the kind of trends change as well, don't they? I've noticed uh, we, we, for a period over the last 12 months, WhatsApp became really popular and people mm -hmm. were using WhatsApp all the time. But I'm just, I'm, I'm getting a sense now that there's a WhatsApp fatigue uh, yeah, you end up with too many WhatsApp groups, and, uh, and and so that one, which was really popular, and people were sending little things out on WhatsApp to the clients. It was probably text message, maybe a little before then. Um, that one is now starting to wane, certainly over in, in, over here. Well, it, 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 you know, it's funny you say that. I did a bunch of work uh, helping a client build their business in Mexico just prior to COVID. Now, obviously, when COVID hit, we couldn't travel. Uh, we had to resort to other ways. But in you know, in Mexico, WhatsApp is the way to communicate. That's the main tool, more so than anything else. Uh, but if you're in Canada, it's here, but it's just not as prevalent. People will just SMS text you instead of WhatsApping. They say, why do I need the app? Just use your phone. There's a, a texting already. So depending on where you're selling and what, what, what uh, geographic location, there are different preferences for how you communicate. So you have to be aware of that and then use that. But I think there's a, there's a, a general, um, I don't want to say disdain, but exhaustion around all technology. <laughs> like how many Zoom meetings can one person, I used to have them all day. I'd be doing eight hours back to back. You jump out of one, you say, I need five minutes to use the little boy's room, come back and jump in the next one and go, hello. Right? So, <laughs> I think we're like, oh, I got to space these things out. This is exhausting. So uh, I definitely think there's a, there's a reduction in the, uh, the desire to use technology, but again, we have to still be comfortable using them, know when to use them and let our buyer drive all of that. Ask them, right? Hey, hey so what's your preference and how we communicate moving forward? Are you okay with Zoom? You prefer Teams? Do I meet face-to-face -face once a month? What, what's your preference, right? Yeah, that's a good, that's a really great question to ask actually. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I'm, I'm full of good I'm, questions, Chris. Yeah. Lots of them. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you more. <laughs> well, let's, let's have some more, more questions to ask after the break then and let's have a a look at some of the um, yes, some of the, the ways that uh, that Sean sees uh, is approaching sales uh, in this uh, in this per period of our world, really, over the next over the next few years. You know, what are the behaviours and strategies that we need to adopt to be really effective in this area? And what I've drawn from the first section actually is you know at that point there about asking your your potential customer what are the channels that they want to be have conversations with you. I think is really, really important and, uh, and, and to understand what, um, what that, whether that's high tech or not, or, um, you know, get a sense because it's actually what you need to tailor it to them. That's what I'm okay. uh, getting a sense of. Yeah, so absolutely. we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. So do join us after the break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one -one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. 
Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, it's Chris Cooper. I'm with Sean Casemore, and we're talking about the unstoppable sales machine. And how do we become an unstoppable sales machine is going to be really interesting to discover it. But firstly, I mean, what, from your perspective, Sean, in, in, this, in this current world, what are the common mistakes that people who have a, a real involvement in the sales process make, which maybe stops them from being unstoppable? Well, and I, again, you know, it, it does depend on organization, right? I mean, every organization is different, but generally speaking, what I find is there's, there's a lack of willingness because there is the ability but a willingness to really get to, to zero in on who is it that's the ideal person for me to sell to i mean and you've heard this before right being clear in your ideal buyer right? so we've all heard that the question is have you done anything with it and, and i give people the why why is that important because sometimes that convinces them that hey it, it is worth my time to to uh, define that person uh, the reason that's important is because we have limited time. Any sales professional, it's not like you get eight hours a day to prospect and then you go home, right? You're, you're dealing with customer issues. You're dealing with, you're sitting in internal meetings. So there's limited time available. So if we're going to invest time in prospecting, right? F going after people, trying to, to, to get to know them, connect with them, and ultimately sell to them, we've got to be crystal clear on who those people are so that we only focus on them. Now, if somebody else comes along in the meantime that's not ideal, that's okay, but target the people you really want to sell to, which are those that are easy to reach, good margin, you know, you get along well with them, they really need whatever it is you're selling, right? I mean, there's the simple criteria. So that's, that. I find a lot of people don't spend the time, they, they sell to whomever and whoever they can find without really thinking through and, and making sure they invest their time wisely. Uh, the second is, is then inconsistency. So, you know, if I, if I do identify who I want to go after, I find because of the dynamics of a lot of organizations. I mean, there's a ton of meetings and phone calls and all sorts. And now people are working remote and they're running their kids, you know, to school in the middle of the day or what have you, right? It, it becomes very difficult to be consistent in prospecting activities. And I've always said, you've heard the, the ABCs of sales, right? Always be closing. Well, here, here's a secret for you. If you don't have enough prospects, there's nobody to close. No, no. So I always say it's the ABPs of selling. Always be prospecting. So you've got to be consistent. 
in your prospecting activities. If you know who you're going after and you're clear on how to get in front of them, reach them and, and start to connect, make sure you block time out of your calendar. And that is, unfortunately, that is not sexy, but it's funny how many people do not block time. They just say, I just didn't get to my prospecting. I've been too busy. Okay, well, hold on a second. If you're not prospecting, what are we doing here? So that's kind of the second area. And I think that the third then is, is as we alluded to earlier, it's not really recognizing how to best use the tools of communication to connect with buyers. Meaning if, you know, a lot of sales professionals I deal with, they default to email. They email, they cold email, they follow up email, they, they send information in email, everything's email. Uh, now, and on one hand, that makes sense, right? Most, most people you're trying to sell to use email. But on the other hand, you want to be thinking about kind of a multi-channel strategy. You want to be thinking, okay, so if I, re if I was trying to reach you, Chris, I might start by commenting on a couple of posts you make on LinkedIn. And then after I've done that a couple of times, I might send you a connection request. And after I've done that, if you happen to have your communication information on LinkedIn or I can find it, I might send you an email. If you do connect, say, hey, we connect on LinkedIn, thought you might be interested in XYZ or yeah, I'm going to be going to this event, wondering if you're going. And then I might mail you something. I mean, you know, the, the reality is we're not getting physical mail anymore. So if you want to stand out, send, some, send a sample, send a letter, send something in the mail to your prospect. They will open, guaranteed. Um, so, so there's just kind of those three areas that I spend a lot of time because again, sales professionals generally, you know, they know how to sell, but what they're finding is the, and, and even at an organizational level, it's the, the ups and downs that happen is right. You, you sell a bunch, you get busy dealing with those customers, converting them and getting them set up and all that time takes away from prospecting. And then you go, oh my gosh, I have no customers now, no prospects to deal with. I got to ramp up my prospecting again. And it, we just ride these waves and I've seen it over and over again. Mm -hmm. So I come back to, okay, who are you selling to? Because you've got limited time, focus only on those people, do, do the right activities consistently, no matter what, tell your boss, I can't make that meeting because that's my prospecting time. And I said, if you're actually selling, you're, any good boss is going to tell you, no problem, do those, I'll move the meeting, right? Uh, and then last but not least, make sure that when you're communicating, you're using a multi-channel strategy. And as I alluded to before, if you're not sure what that looks like, and you actually connect with the buyer, you see them on the event, you say, let me ask you a question. I'd like to send you some information after. What, what's the best way for me to send that? And if they say, you know, oh, just send me an email. Okay, great. I'm going to send it. Are there other ways? Like, do you ever connect on LinkedIn at all? Do you prefer to use WhatsApp? What's, what's your preference? Again, 50% might not answer you, but for the 50 that do, that's opened up the door to communicate with them in different ways than what my competition is probably doing. So, yeah. so those are kind of some mistakes and not mistakes, but just challenges a lot of salespeople uh, deal with. And what I try to help them understand is because it is the ABPs of selling. If you, you can't close if you have no prospects. So no. no, makes an enormous amount of sense. So when you suggest to people, that they need to consider penetration as their strategies. Is that what you mean by penetration? Or well, pe penetration is is more on in today's environment. If you if you you know your your own experiences, those who are listening today, or if you're in sales at all, you'll know is that. So if, if you're the person I'm selling to, Chris, and I and I determine by by dint of your title and where you kind of company you're in, etc., that you're my ideal buyer. There's going to be people surrounding you, and more and more. Think of it from a leadership perspective. Leaders right? People in organizations are, it's suggested we need to do things in teams, right? Bring in your people, have them part of your decisions, get their feedback. So today, a lot of buyers, regardless of what kind of business they're in, are bringing more people into the decision-making process, right? Hey, I got this information from this guy named Sean. Do you think it's worth it? What should we do with it? Should we meet with Sean? When you sit in a meeting with a buyer, more often than not today, they'll have people with them, not just one-to-one. -one. So you've got to think in an organization, it's not just about going after the buyer, it's identifying that network, 
right? The, mm -hmm. the buyer's universe, who are the direct reports, indirect reports, gatekeepers that I may encounter as I try and get to know Chris, as I try and connect with Chris, as I try and get that opportunity to sell to Chris. And then how am I going to work with those people? So what's important to these different direct reports? And again, if you can flush out titles, positions, it'll become clear. Oh, the CFO is normally somebody that is at the right hand of the president when I'm meeting with them. Okay, well, what's important to the CFO? Well, it's a return on investment, right? It's, it's payment terms. So I better be prepared with that information because if the CFO asks a question, I can't answer it. I'm, I'm maybe out the door. So penetration is just thinking through what I call the buyer's universe and making sure you're prepared to, I don't want to say influence, but work with a multitude of people because more and more buying decisions are happening in a team environment versus just a one-to-one. -one. Yeah. Well, that's um, really interesting. Just a, a, a thought just came up in my mind. We had a guest on the show who's a good, um, you know, good, good friend of mine and, uh, and, uh, uh, and, and it has helped my business a lot, actually. Um, and he, he's, his name's Richard Pitt. And Richard, when he was first looking for a job, he didn't have a degree and he wanted to get onto graduate schemes. He kept getting rejected. And then he found a, a, an insurance company that he really, really wanted to work for. And uh, he kept approaching them and saying, no, you've not got a degree. No, you've got a not good degree. And eventually uh, he, he, he got, a, got a, a meeting and a conversation uh, and uh, he kept chipping away still at different different people in the organization and then one day he got a call and said okay come and meet the i think it was the md of the company and it was a big big company and when he turned up the md said to him he said right i've heard your name mentioned more than my wife in the last <laughs> uh, few months <laughs> and uh, and basically they they get, they put him on the program in the end he got he, he got he got in even though he didn't have a degree and uh, I think that was a good example of penetration, potentially. You know, he'd reached a number of different people. He'd spoken, he kept going, he'd been tenacious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, eventually they thought, actually, he's got all the characteristics that we need. Well, and it's funny you say that. It, it makes me uh, I think back to sometimes clients have me assist them with hiring. A, could be a sales executive, a sales leader, or even a sales professional. Um, and, and so in interviews, they, they typically don't like my approach because I, I come in with a few of the normal questions, right? But I, I'm very much focused on the individual. So depending on your response, I may take that interview in different ways. So, so the, those that like standardized approaches don't like my approach. But if you think about hiring somebody in sales, for example, sales is all about people. It's about the language. It's about being able to you know, re respond on your feet well, right? Be in the moment. Again, depending on what you're selling, obviously. But, you know, so I'm always trying to judge the, the person. So what if about this situation? And you mentioned this. How would you respond in that manner? No, no different than our conversation here. We, we have some questions we're going to talk about, but then you might dive down into something if something piques your interest. That's not typically how interviews are handled. They're handled very scripted. We all have our questions and we each take turns asking them. But, but it, you know, that's not the way to hire somebody because fit, right, within a team based on that team's culture is much more important than experience, which is what I think your, your friend, right? If, if, yeah. I, if you're the MD, you're thinking, jeepers, this guy is, is penetrating the organization. Like, he is not stopping. He's unstoppable in his desire to get this job. If he's that unstoppable now, what would he be like working for us? Right. Mm. What would that be? You see that? And then you go, hold on. Yeah. Forget the university. It's the skills and the application skills that matter, not a degree of paper. A degree in paper is great, gives you some foundational information, but you can always go get some of that later. But what I want is the application of skills. So I, I think it's a good, uh, 
you know, it's, 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 it's a good it, you know idea that that MD had and hiring because that's how you want to approach hiring. And I think it's a really interesting point there that you make about about being being prepared to be to be completely flexible. Yeah. I know you know you know I used to used to train salespeople for a confectionery company many years ago, and you know they would go in with their presenters and they would go in with their their slides, deck of slides, and they go in with their questions and. And and at the end of the day, it was about it was about relationships and yes. how you left people feeling uh, and and being able to be to be flexible. Uh, and I think um, therefore I'm kind of interested in that point. You know where I think there's a balance where and it's a bit like this interview. We've we've identified some questions, but we'll 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 go off piece. We'll go and uh, we'll go and talk what we need we, what we need to talk about. Um, and I think. I think there's something important about that because I noticed once once I dropped some of the presentation and I actually went in and listened, asked questions and responded and was flexible, uh, the, the the level of success I had with selling was far far better than a, a, yeah. than a structured approach. Absolutely, and and you know to your point, right? When you when you say slides, it it makes my skin crawl, and and it's it's not that slides aren't valuable, not that you don't need them, but too many sales professionals that I interact with, meet with, uh, the slides are their crutch. Mm. So you and I, you, you agree to have a meeting. I've got my, my, my 62 slides, right? And then what happens is I spend our time together going through those slides. Let me tell you about this. Let me tell you about this. And you know, if, if you're really lucky, I might ask you at the end of every couple of slides, does that make sense? Is that okay with you? Does that sound, does that sound like your situation? Throw the slides in the garbage. Go in with a handful of deep questions. Stay in the moment depending on the person's response, dive deeper because you want to walk over that meeting being hundred percent, you know, crystal clear, if you will, as to how can I help you? What value will that bring? And what's the return on investment you'll achieve? Yeah. And I can't do that by flipping through slides. And, and I, you know, I find that's very common in the, in the SaaS environment, right? We got to have that perfect slide deck to use. And, and it is an important tool, but too many sales professionals, it's a crutch. They just, they can kind of, you know, like what we're, you know, turn their camera off on Zoom and just show the slides. Well, that's not going to help you build a relationship. That's just going to show slides. So you yeah. have to be in the moment and have the, have questions ready. And if the buyer says, you know, and, and I always tell people, first question, any meeting ever the buyer is, is something to the degree of understanding the buyer's needs. So, hey, appreciate you meeting with me today. There's some things I was going to go through, but before we do so, just curious, what, what did you want to make sure we talked about? Now, if they say, I don't know, you tell me, okay, well, we'll get started. But if they've got some things that take you to slide 61, that's mm. where I start. Mm. Well, to begin with, let me answer your question, right? Because I'm letting the buyer drive. That's what, you know, today's buyers want to drive. You, they want to make their own choices, their own decisions. They don't want somebody telling them what to do. And it's because of, you know, the environment we're in. Any, anything you've bought lately online, how frustrating is when you go to buy it, and you, you got a question, you can't get an answer from somebody or it drives you down to something else. You're like, I just want to buy this and move on. We've become so programmed as people as to we get what we want when we want it, that sales professionals need to cater to that. They need to be in the moment, listen, ask good questions, obviously listen, and then cater that presentation or that discovery session based on the feedback they're getting in the moment. Otherwise we bore the buyer to tears. Yeah. yeah. And, and then they're just saying, well, that guy, he had 62 slides didn't tell me anything I didn't already know. I could have found that online. 
and we're not really adding value as sales professionals. So we'll, we'll talk about that more, but you know, I think you say presentation, I'm like, oh my gosh, how many times have I run it? But here's my presentation. Great. Show me the presentation. Well, there's 62 slides. Oh my gosh, one per minute. This is going to be exciting, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, for, for many, many years of my career, I was a buyer uh, and you know, I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite big picture and I'm very relational in, in my sort of style. You know, people are really important. So that connection is really important. And yeah. when somebody um, slides, it be, uh, goes behind the slide deck or they, or, or it's a very, and it's a very detailed slide deck, so a slide deck as well. Um, I would, I would just be get so impatient uh, and my mind would be drifting on to yeah. how can I get them out of here? Yeah, exactly. Or, or if you're online, <laughs> Yeah. You just right. You just turn the camera off and start checking email and doing something else. And you have yeah. to keep it. It's funny that on slides, if you are doing it virtually using slides, the kind of the rule of thumb is lots of slides, lots of color, keep them moving. But but what I always suggest people do is no, you got to keep changing the screen to keep people's attention. But if I go into a slide and I talk about it for a minute, then I'm going to shut the slides off and come back to where it's just you and I and being and, and then ask you some questions just like I would in a face-to-face -face and try and continue to build the relationship and then jump back into a slide for a minute, then back to us. Yeah. Is it a lot of flipping and screen changing? Yes. Which is what keeps the buyer's attention because they're, they're knowing going to shut off after the next slide and bring us back up and talk about it. Um, so it's just a very different way of presenting and it's much more engaging for the buyer and it's helping you build the rapport, the relationship and understand you know, what their needs are so you can align with them. I suppose the, the, you know, the point, a, po a point here is that, if you've got, if you're a buyer and you've got several companies coming in, maybe it's seven, several, we're going to do some sales training. And uh, Sean, Sean is one of those, uh, one of those people who's going to provide, potentially provide the training. And, and on paper, all of them could do the job, potentially. Um, however, when I was a buyer, the thing I was looking at is, could I work, could we work with this person? Would he get on, would he get on well with, uh, with the people he's going to, to train and develop? Um, would they enjoy working with him? Would they come away feeling engaged and motivated and inspired? Um, because often it's it's the human element, which is the differentiator, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. It, and it is, right? It, it, I do a lot of speaking at events, kickoffs, keynotes, that kind of thing. And sometimes that leads to them having me, you know, do some sessions with, you know, training those that are there. Um, but you know, I always spend time at the beginning of any session trying to get to know people. And if you're doing any sort of training, it's putting people into groups, interacting in those groups, because there has to be a, if you want to help people through sharing, you know, sharing skills and techniques with them, there's got to be a trust and a rapport there. So you have to be willing to build that for people to say, okay, what's he, what he says makes sense. He's challenged me to use it. We've discussed it. And now I'm going to try it. Right. So yeah. agree a hundred percent. It's uh, definitely a one-to-one, -one, but yeah, presentations, I, I first thing I do with any new salesperson is pull the presentation away and say, let's go do your first couple of meetings here or discovery without any, any slides at all. Cause I don't yeah. want you getting used to having them as a crutch. So. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, after that, we're going to go to um, a commercial break now, and then we'll, we'll find out a bit more about some of the key messages of the unstoppable sales machine and some ideas that you can consider now that you've gone and thrown away your presentation slides, you've ripped them up, put them in the bin. Um, and, uh, and you're thinking now, actually, you know, how can I build a deeper connection with people uh, through our, our conversations such that we want to work together and, uh, and, a, and build a foundation of trust, I suspect, in those initial meetings. So, yeah, we'll be back again with Sean um, in just a couple of minutes.
From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Sean Casemore, and we're talking about about sales. We're talking about uh, Sean's some of the thinking from Sean's um, book, The Unstoppable Sales Machine, but also all of the uh, the training that he does to help help people to elevate uh, the quality of their their sales. Um, but I mean, why, Sean? Why did you write this book? Why did you write The Unstoppable Sales Machine? Because there are a lot of sales books out there. Yeah, and so it's a good question. And you know, I think if I if I go back back up a bit, um, so my last book, the one that's out already, the one that's been out since 2017, is The Unstoppable Organization. And I wrote that because I was doing a lot of work at that time with sales teams and leadership teams, if you will, operational leadership and, and sales, kind of a combined. And my conclusion at that time, and the reason I wrote that book and what it really shares is building a foundation within a company in order to help it grow. Meaning that if you have the best sales force in the world and they are kicking it, but as soon as orders come in the door, you can't deliver on them. You got disgruntled people ticking off customers you're not going to sell. So you, you got to build a foundation. So that book, The Unstoppable Organization, was all about building the foundation. And it was representative of the work I was doing more and more with sales teams, customer service teams at that time. Um, and then over the years, especially when COVID hit, a lot of people started calling me saying, oh my gosh, we've always sold face-to-face. We, we don't know what to do. Our sales teams are sitting around. You know, we're, are, there, are there technique strategies you can, you can help us with? So like many, I, a lot of the work I ended up doing is speaking at conferences virtually, right? Using Zoom, uh, doing interactions from a training perspective virtually. Um, and 
So through that, you know, was realized that there's so many salespeople out there that are just, they're isolated from the company. They're this group of people they're, and they're trying, they're trying to sell, uh, but they're disconnected from marketing. Uh, and and the, the, really the kicker was in 2020, 2019, I think it was completed, but early 2020, Gartner brought out a study that told us what we already kind of uh, knew uh, is that today's buyers, B2B specifically, spend about 60 plus percent of their time researching before they ever talk to a sales professional. And, and then about 17% of their total time out of 100 is spent with a sales professional split into the number of sales professionals they meet. So you meet with three people, you're spending like 6% six, 6 of your time with each. So, you know, again, tells us what we already know. It, it verifies for us or validates that buyers are coming with a predetermined idea of exactly what they need. And if you don't say the right thing at the right time, you're out the door and they go to the person that will. And buyers don't always, you know, the old saying goes, you, you, we don't always know what we need. We know what we want, but we don't know what we need. So what I really realized is that there, there's really no method that companies have today to generate a sales system, right? So there's a lot of books out there on how you, Chris Cooper, can set up your day as a sales professional to sell. And there's books out there that say, uh, in sales that say, look, to, to really sell more, you've got to understand your buyer and you got to assess their personality traits and your personality. So there's, there's books on that. And then there's books on sales leadership. You're going to be a sales leader. Here's how to lead your team. There's, there's no, not a lot of books. I shouldn't say no books. There's not a lot of books that say, here's a sales system that you can plug into your company. Obviously, it incorporates the skills of your sales team. Uh, I talk about technology. I talk about incorporating, you know, bringing marketing and sales together, which a lot of times the bigger the company, the more they're isolated from one another mm. uh, and how to really build a sales system. And, and that was my premise that th this book needs to be written. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll drop a hint. I have just signed the, the contract for my fourth book, uh, which will probably be out next year, but who knows when, uh, which is going to be the unstoppable sales team because with the system in place, right? So we've got the foundation, the unstoppable organization. We've got the system, which is my book in August, the unstoppable sales machine. Now I'm going to talk about how do you build the team um, on top of that, that really can uh, thrive within this machine to achieve the ultimate result. So I do talk about that in the book, but I really want to hone in on it. So um, long-winded answer to your very short question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean, are there any is, is there a, a main, a, a key sort of message in this then in respect that, well, it sounds like there's a message around needing a system, but we aren't just talking about the sales function sells, are we? We're talking about the whole, you know, that the whole company needs to gear itself up to be effective in, with a sales process, not just the salesperson. Well, the book, The Unstoppable Sales Machine, really talks about it. It takes a look at where we're at today, and it touches on a lot of the things we've been discussing, right? How buyers are now more accustomed to technology. Uh, buyers today are, are more apt to do research before they ever connect with sales. Buyers are spending less and less time with sales professionals. They want to drive the sales process themselves. It's becoming more and more complex for buyers to make decisions, um, and, and therefore, they're looking for salespeople to help them with that, not make it more complex, not bring the 62 slides that we talked about earlier. So, you know, based on all of those findings, the book really walks through, here's the environment that we're in today. Here's how your sales people need to navigate that. Here's how your team within the organization needs to work together to support sales. And here's the process, the technology, the tools that you need in order to bring this entire thing together. So it really is creating an environment of unstoppable selling. I, I talk about, you know, how, for example, 
Um, I'll, I'll take a simple example because somebody brought this up a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I was speaking in Tampa and I just shared as a really quick example that, hey, if you have a website and you know, assuming you've got a website and people come there, how are you getting their attention when they're there? Uh, you know, chat, it's some sort of chat module, pretty common, been around forever, but what do most companies do? They automate it. They a chat bot that you and I both know can't answer any questions. They're just yeah. annoying, right? Yeah, annoying. So why wouldn't you have somebody in inside sales be behind that? that answers questions, live person, and then obviously can has the opportunity to move that person to a live call or a live email, right? Some way to hmm. start to build that rapport. Um, so I was just kind of, again, simple example of today's buyers are using, spending so much time researching. Your website, if you have one, which you should, is one of those tools. And although we think of a website as a marketing resource, the goal is to have it as a sales resource, meaning people are attracted to it, but once they're there from a selling perspective, I want to connect with them, interact, and then get a conversation going. Um, who in your sales team is actually, you know, there monitoring? And a guy jumped up and said, that's my takeaway. I just emailed my marketing guy. We're putting a chat module on <laughs> right now. So he talked to me at the break and, and he said, you know, that was just a great, that was just a great takeaway. And I said, well, you know, step one, good for taking action. Step two, who's going to be behind it? He said, well, I haven't thought of that. I said, don't just, don't just create it and let it sit. Put one of your good inside salespeople behind it. Give them some scripts, no different than you would an outside salesperson, and, and make sure their goal is to move them from chat to some sort of call or email or something. We want to start to personalize this conversation. So it's, it's just the book is full of simple, simple techniques like that, but thinking about where we're at today in selling, how that's influenced you know, our buyers' behaviors and how in sales and as organizations collectively, we need to shift in order to capture those sales and put a system in place that makes it unstoppable. Uh, makes, uh, makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm kind of uh, you know, intrigued having, you know, having known you. Um, well, so we, we, we first met eight, nine years ago. Um, you know, if, you t if you look at your, the younger you, you know, when you set up your, when you set up your business initially, um, or maybe when you started working in the, in the workplace, uh, and uh, then let's think about when you set up your, on your own with your own business. I mean, what would you, what would the uh, older you now, the more mature, uh, but still youthful looking Sean Casemore, um, what would, what would he tell his younger self in terms of advice? You know, I, I think it's, it's, it's funny, you know, going back, I, I've wondered, here I am running my own business, have been now for, this is the longest job I've had, let's put it that way, since 2009 I've been doing this. And, you know, I think back to when I was young, um, you know, the first quote unquote job I had was cutting lawns and shoveling driveways, we get snow in the winter. So at one point when I was, I think 13, I had nine lawns and in the winter I had six driveways and I shoveled roofs and I painted fences and, and very entrepreneurial. And then, you know, got a job and kind of went into the corporate world. Um, and, and when I was, you know, going off to college, I had no idea what I wanted to take. No clue. I just kind of randomly picked the course and took it, right? It was a three-year diploma program. And that, you know, set me off on a path in a career. And initially, which is funny, I worked in supply chain. I worked in purchasing. I, I, was, I, I always tell sales people that I work with and at conferences, I, I've been on the other side of the table, so I can tell you exactly what the people you're dealing with. If you're dealing with a purchasing agent, a buyer, I can tell you exactly what they're thinking, what they're looking for. But that career then uh, eventually led me, uh, I, I was, you know, I didn't find it that exciting. Um, and it moved me into some operational roles. I've led teams since I was 23. And, um, and, and then, it, long story short, when I moved back to where we live now, which is my hometown, uh, I didn't, it wasn't the days of like today. There was 
there was not many jobs out there. And if you did get one, you had to know somebody, you know, it wasn't like today where you can't find anybody for anything. So I came back and there was a, an ad in the local paper to sell cars. And I've always been a, a car fan. So I, I like cars. Let's see what happens. And I took that job. I was there for not quite a year um, and absolutely loved it. I mean, when winter comes, there's not many cars being sold and I, I moved on to other things, but I just loved it. And I moved from, I think I started in May. By July, I was top salesperson. And there was two guys that had been there over 10 years. Um, and it was just because I just, I, I just really enjoyed it. So I went into a different role for a period of time, again, kind of back to more of an operational, did not enjoy it. And so when I started into this, I thought, well, I'll focus on leadership. And that evolved. Uh, and today I've come full circle back to sales and interacting with people and kind of that entrepreneurial side. And so I would, I would you know, I guess I took the long path to get here and I wish as a, and, and I tell this to my boys all the time, you know, when you're thinking about what you may do in school beyond just, you know, going into high school and, and, you know, after that, don't get caught up in the whole idea that you have to go to get a certain pro course or program, right? If you're not sure what you want to do, that's okay. Uh, take something that's going to open as many doors as possible because you'll learn as you go as to what you really enjoy and what you're good at. And that's really the idea. So many people today are in jobs and roles that they just despise and they're locked in. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, as you know, right, being an entrepreneur is ups and downs, but at least I'm happy. I'm doing what I love doing and I do what I enjoy doing, which is helping people. And uh, so I think that would be my, my advice that uh, it's okay to not know where you're going early on. Uh, if you keep kind of striving for what do I enjoy? What am I good at? You will come to that even if it's a little bit later in life. Yeah. Yeah, makes that makes a lot of sense, and it's it's funny, isn't it? How sometimes those different roles that you did in the past, they don't always make sense at the time why you yeah. did them. But ultimately, like you know, you've you've expressed with your work now, you know, both your your sales experience and your and your procurement experience. That's that you know they've come together, yeah. uh, and uh, and and benefit your you know, your clients. And um, I'm a little bit the same. I've worked in sales, marketing, procurement, HR, training and logistics before I went, I got into, uh, in, into working, setting up a company and working for myself. And, um, uh, but, but actually all of that, that is helpful because you've got a, a better appreciation of what a company is really about, not just a, you know, exactly. a, a niche. So I, I can yeah. imagine you, you're adding lots and lots of value for your clients with that experience. So do, do you have a final message you'd like to leave us with? Well, you know, it's, I knew you're going to ask that question, Chris. And I mean, I guess it depends on those listening, what's important to them. Obviously, if you're looking to install a sales system, I mean, in August, grab a copy of that book. You can always uh, visit my website and connect with me there and, and I'll keep put you on a list. Um, it's uh, seancasemore.com. But uh, that said, I think what's important to those who are listening and thinking about elevating their business is if I can send one message, it's you know, think about your business from a systematic standpoint and think about if you really, every business relies on sales, hard stop. You, you can't have the best operation, no sales and survive. So you need to create a systematic way of generating sales. That's going to require getting a lot of people on board, not just focusing on sales. Um, and, you know, so building a systematic way takes the pressure off so that you can start to focus on other areas of the business, expanding into new territory. So don't think about just training your people in one area and that's gonna fix sales. Think about it holistically, think about putting a system in place. And, and that's what my book really talks about because when sales become consistent, it's just a easier way to go. 
Fantastic. Correct, Sean. It's been brilliant having you on the show today. Absolutely loved it. Really some great thoughts and ideas there. And next week is a bank holiday over here. I think it's to do with the Queen's birthday, I think. Um, so um, I'm, I will be with my family next week. So we're going to repeat the show with Judy Piatkus. Judy uh, founded Piatkus Books, um, quite a famous entrepreneur over here in the United Kingdom. Lots of uh, uh, interesting information about how to create an amazing culture there. And the following week, we've got my friend Dan Cashel, who's a, a real marketing guru. So we're talking marketing. He's, he's really he's really smart and switched on, Dan. So you'll enjoy that interview with him to improve the way that you yeah, you handle and develop your marketing. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of weeks. You take care. Any questions, comments, chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Once again, uh, a huge uh, thank you to Sean Casemore at seancasemore.com. Thanks, Chris. We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.